This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome, friends, to yet another sad edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me in misery, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. We're coming to you live tonight after the Blackhawks fall once again to the Vegas Golden Knights 2-1 to one in Game 3 of the Best of Seven Series. Now face a 3 to nothing series deficit. And once again, I feel like the story can be summed up very succinctly. The Blackhawks had some opportunities to score, potentially to win this game. They just couldn't do it. And once again, Vegas proved itself to be just one of the best teams in hockey. They are so damn hard to play against. And we saw it again tonight. Yes, there is a ton to get into in this game. But I think when we look back on this series, we're going to talk about missed opportunities. Goal goal post hit, scoring chances not converted on, power plays that were just off. Look, they've been in most of these games. Yes, Vegas is better. Yes, Vegas has been the better team every game. But the Hawks have had a chance to win each game and have failed to do that. And I thought the first period tonight was the Hawks' best of the series. And they're down one nothing when that period's over because of a shorthanded goal from a rare mistake. I almost never see Duncan Keith make a mistake like that. 
but a rare mistake from Duncan Keith ends up in the back of the net. Corey Crawford was great. Alex Dabrinkit was Alex Dabrinkit again, and it still wasn't enough. First of all, thanks, everybody, for joining us on our live post-game podcast. If you're listening on Hot Mike and watching on Hot Mike, thanks for jumping in. If you're listening on the traditional Madhouse pod, we always appreciate you. Get in touch with us, madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod. Facebook is is, uh, facebook.com slash madhousehockey, C-H-I, and on Instagram at madhouse underscore pod. Look, Corey Crawford was terrific. Um, (laughs) You know, you're never going to see again in your lifetime Patrick Kane miss an open net like that ever again that is such a microcosm of this entire series Mm -hmm. is finally work hard for a good scoring chance and look let's not they are working their asses off they're playing as hard as they can and it's not enough it's just not enough it it just we talked about it in our series preview that this is how it was going to feel and look and we are right. I thought they might take one or two. They still might, but it's not looking great right now. No, it certainly isn't. And I think that there, it's just it's a bummer because there were so many things tonight that, yeah, there were it was great to see the Blackhawks come out with the intensity they did right from the word go tonight. I really thought that they did a nice job of keeping that intensity up and they really look good the first couple minutes. And then just like everything flipping else in this series, it feels like they go down one to nothing, like based on the fact that Vegas catches a break or whatever you want to call it. And it has to be so frustrating for the Blackhawks to know that nobody expected them to be in the situation that they're in right now and actually in the postseason when this whole thing like ended in March because of COVID. Nobody expected the Blackhawks to be involved in any type of a restart for the NHL. They are. They come out, play really well against Edmonton. They knock them off, and then they come into this series and then just game after game, you're grinding and grinding and grinding. And you have all these chances to win. You're a crossbar away from winning game two. You have great periods in games one and three. And it still just isn't good enough because this Vegas team that they're playing will literally like suffocate the life out of you and then punish you for any flipping mistake that you make. It has to be so frustrating for the Blackhawks, so humbling. And yet at the end of all of this, I think one of the things that we might end up saying tomorrow if they get eliminated is maybe this kind of experience is actually going to be a good thing for guys like Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist because, man, it's hard to get much lower than this when you get to the playoffs and then you just get beaten into submission for three straight games. Yes, you saw the frustration on the bench. That was the common theme was Adam Boquist slamming his stick, Jonathan Taves slamming his stick, and we got to get to Jonathan Taves, who has been the best Blackhawk throughout the playoffs until tonight. Jonathan Taves was on the ice for two shot attempts for at even strength and 13 against none in the first two periods, by the way, did not have a single shot attempt for on his line in the first two periods of the game. That does not work in a game that you absolutely had to go out and win. That's good for a 13.33% Corsi. Oh, you prefer Fenwick. Okay. One shot attempt for 11 against that's an 8.33 Fenwick. Here are the Blackhawks who finished over 50, 50%. In possession, Matthew Highmore, who played 527, so don't really count him. <laughs> he didn't Kirby have a single shift the first 12 minutes of the game. You know, yeah. Philip Kirashev or Dylan Sakura could have done that. Yes, they could have. Uh, Kirby Doc was nearly 60%, 59.26. Dylan Strom, 5769. Kajula, 5652. 
Mata 5385 and Boquist was an even 50% in possession. He was 52.6 in possession uh, for the Fenwick. So that was it. And what's good news about that is a lot of young players are on that list. I mean, man, how how horrible do you feel for Alex to bring it? I mean, <laughs> that dude had the game of games. And if, if the object of hockey was to hit Marc-Andre Fleury directly in the chest, Alex Dabrinkit would be Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. It just He just could not catch a break the entire night. But if that's the guy that's going to play, if that's the way he's going to play every night, that's good. Eddie Olchek said in the first period, you you don't worry when you're not scoring. You worry when you're not getting chances. Dabrinkit, mm. tonight and last night, last game as well, the chances are starting to come, but they're running out of time. I was just about to say that, that I pointed out after game two, after that really rough first period where I – uh, said Alex DeBrincat is having a terrible game possession-wise. He's the Blackhawks' worst possession forward. All he did was go out the rest of that game and have a solid effort. And I was saying, maybe that's what it finally took to get him going, is like maybe he figured something out. And then he came out tonight and, like you said, had eight shots on net, was just all over the place throughout that game tonight. He just couldn't buy a goal. And you know what? It just... Could any of the Blackhawks like what did they have to do to beat Edmonton and ensure that they were not going to get a chance at Alexis Lafreniere? Like, seriously, did they have to, like, sell their souls to the lottery devil in order to win that series? And now all of the luck is magically gone. Like, I just I struggle to come up with explanations for why the Blackhawks puck luck has turned on them so hard. And then you look at the way Vegas is playing and yeah, they've played some suffocating defense they are so good on that end of the ice and they're just disrupting anything there was a moment at the end of the game where Patrick Kane had started up the ice and all five Golden Knights players just went right to him and took the puck and that was just like a perfect microcosm of how swarming that defense is but even with all of that it's just unreal to me how close these games have been and the Blackhawks to being down to one maybe up to one. Like it's amazing how these little breaks keep going Vegas's way. And I guess maybe it's one of those instances where hard work creates good luck. Like I just, I, I am at a loss for how to describe it, but the work is there. That's the frustrating thing. You know, the hard work is there. They're, they are competing. And I saw someone bring it up earlier. It looks like Vegas is skating at about 80%. Yeah. And just kind of playing with the Hawks and the Hawks have to give everything they have to stay in these games. Look, the fact that, they felt confident enough to not start Robin Leonard tonight and felt confident to give Max Pacioretty game two off. They're like, all right, we can probably, you know, not go all out to win this series. And they know that. And they're just overmatched, man. It's just a couple things I want to get to, though, before I forget. End of the game, the empty net Hawks approach was brutal. Jeremy Cotton left a timeout on the board. Well, I Why think you that? actually have to be able to draw something up in order to make a timeout effective. And I question whether or not he could do that. Well, even if that's the case, I, I'm confident Mark Crawford could, but you have to like if you your best tire, your best players are gassed. You've got Patrick Kane played, what, 24 plus minutes. Duncan Keith was around 27 minutes. These are the guys you count on when you're down a goal late. They're already gassed from the entire game. Call the timeout. What are you saving it for? Yeah. And yeah, it gives Vegas a rest, too. But you didn't have any sort of big you know, uh, endurance advantage over them. It wasn't an icing call. Take the time out, get your guys a blow, draw something up. I just feel like the last 
two minutes or so of the game. And that's like right before that weird Connor Murphy turnover behind the net where he just like, it just got thrown out in front. And the Vegas player just was like, what the, I have the puck. What happened? <laughs> he, he like, it was uh Nicholas. Wah, and he just like, he had the puck. And he's like, Oh, oh God, the puck came to me. Oh, and he just kind of fell down. Yeah. Uh, Cause he was so shocked by it. You just saw a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes from guys that don't usually do it. Keith with the fumble at the blue line, Kane hitting the post on a wide open net. And Connor Murphy, who's probably your most consistent and reliable defenseman, uh, fumbling the puck late in the game. It's just like, oh, and it feels like every mistake ends up in the back of the net. That's exactly, yeah, that boy, I said that earlier, and I still stand by that, man. But I just, again, you're absolutely right. Like, there's the reason you don't go 12 minutes without getting Matthew Highmore a flipping shift at the beginning of the game is because the miles on that odometer end up really racking up towards the end of the game. What if the Blackhawks had tied this game? How much energy would those guys have had left for overtime? Like, I get it. You want your best players on the ice. You've got to get Patrick Kane going quite obviously, or else you don't have a chance to win in this series. But at what cost? Like, you literally just played him defenseman minutes in a game that you absolutely had to win. And you're right, Jay. They Those guys, those top line guys looked completely gassed at the end of this game. And I feel like we saw a lot of instances in the game where that like exhaustion was already kind of starting to catch up with them a little bit. Maybe the conditioning is an issue based on like how limited a prep time they had, whatever it was, they looked real. They look sketchy on that power play tonight. I'm going to say like the power play. I had seen some things that I had liked about it kind of like at points during the Edmonton and Vegas series, that advantage is completely gone. They just cannot get anything going. And it just, I think it's just a team-wide frustration at this point because Vegas has just sucked the life out of that offense. This reminds me very much, and a couple of people have tweeted it at me, this is what the Minnesota Wild felt like when they were up against the Hawks Cup teams. Mm. They were <laughs> hardest. They would be in the games. They would get their chances. And then as soon as it felt like they were going to break through, the Hawks would score and just drive that knife through their heart. It happened over and over and over again to the Wild. And it was the same thing. They were really top-heavy. They're really good high-end players. They had a couple nice complimentary guys, but then it was like, yeah, it dropped off big. They had a pretty good pairing, pairing and a half. But you know, it's just that just wasn't enough to beat a team that can roll four lines and six defensemen. And <laughs> and well, like, apparently the Vegas Golden Knights really- can actually roll five lines or whatever because they keep giving guys nights off and it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's I mean. It's it's so true, and that's why you know when you look at the favorite teams in the West here, uh, Vegas is right there. Colorado has been incredibly impressive. I know they lost today, but they had something like forty eight shots on goal or fifty shots on goal in the game, and just didn't couldn't convert. Uh, the West final between Colorado and Vegas, I'm ready to call it, uh, is going to be. <laughs> uh, man, I I can't wait to watch that. A couple of people in the comments, I think it was Eric said, "Do we still want to buy out Olimata despite his uh, goal outburst?" I am not the only Mata hater that a lot of people are here. That said, yes, you have to buy him out because he gives you cap relief that you badly need. You're also going to have to buy out Zach Smith. Um, mm-hmm. If you can't trade either of those guys, maybe you could trade him for picks. That's probably a better scenario, actually. Um, but they have to be gone because you can't afford them. And you hope that Ian Mitchell's ready. You hope that uh, Pia Suter comes in and can be another Kubalik type or at least a Dominic Cahoon type. 
somebody you can count on for top six, top nine minutes. You hope some of these signings work out, some of these young players develop and get better. Look, Boquist is going to get better. I know it was another tough game for him. What I did like about him was he was a little more aggressive offensively. You saw him taking more chances. You saw him stick handle through a couple of players a few times. Yes, he made a mistake on that second goal, no doubt. But that is what I'm talking about the other night. That's a learning experience, yeah. right? He got caught flat-footed, and it was over. He's going to learn from that. Bokus is a smart kid. He's a good player. I think we forget sometimes that he's 19 years old, you know, and and, and that those mistakes are going to happen. They're they're obviously on a huge stage right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'd rather have them making them now, and, and and then when they're ready to compete in the future, if they're ready to compete, um, you know, he's he's ready and in, in his prime by that time. That's what happened with Keith and Seabrook. Yeah, those that remember the rookie years of Keith and Seabrook. There were times where you'd look at Duncan Keith and say, what is this guy doing? He's really fast and really skilled, but he just doesn't know the game. Well, now what? Now he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, a Norris Trophy right. winner. Defensemen take time to develop. I do have a question for you about Adam Boquist specifically, but before I do that, got a post-game beer. It's a uh, Fruhoff from uh, Pollyanna Brewing went to their event at Cog Hill last night and yeah, the dub shred course is just as rough as I remember it. That course will eat your lunch, man. Really tough. But uh, anyway, so I wanted to ask you specifically about Adam Boquist, man. Like, I, I saw a few people make this comment on Twitter, and I was thinking about it, and I'd love to hear your take. What did you think of him taking Boquist out for game two, bringing him back in for game three, and immediately putting him back out with Duncan Keith and having him play those types of minutes with that specific guy again. Did you like that kind of acting like he shouldn't have skipped a beat or would you have rather seen him get kind of eased into things? No, I, I want him playing as, as many meaningful minutes as he can. And that's why I didn't like the fact that he was scratched. Now the coach knows better than me or you or anyone listening to this better than, you know, he, he knows if a guy needs a mental break, he knows if a guy is spent, you could see it in his face. Maybe Adam Bogo said, look, I am, I am struggling. I don't know what to do. He's like, all right, take a break, take a breather. That can help sometimes. So throwing him right back out there, I think, is a good vote of confidence for him. I think that shows faith in him. And I think it's in the, uh, Matt Spiegel on this score. He used to call it the slap and tickle. Ozzie Guillen was good at that. You know, he would he would say something about a player and then all of a sudden, like, prop him back up and do something to make him feel better about himself. It's a coaching method. And I think we've seen Jeremy Cowton go to that a few times in his tenure as a Hawks coach where a guy – has a bad game, and they say, all right, have a seat, take a look. This is in no way punishment. We're just trying to slow down your brain a little bit, take a deep breath, and you're right back in there next game. I kind of like that approach, and I I think it will be more of a positive than a negative for Adam Boquist. And I will say, even on the goal that he got flat, caught flat-footed on, like just like you saw on the replay that Edzo showed during that game, he was in the, like, the defensive side of the ice, and he just gets blown by. He still caught up to the trailer on that play and still at least was making a contribution. A lot of kids would have just kind of skated back, head down, not worried about. He busted his hump, and I do feel like that's that's a good sign, at least to me, for Boquist's future, is even if he makes a mistake and he's going to because of how good he is offensively, there will be times that he makes defensive miscues. I'm at least glad that that no-quit attitude the entire team has kind of shown was there, and I know I'm getting... I was driving at some point today and I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of sick of moral victories. Like, I don't want to be talking about that again after game three. And yet here we are again. And I'm still talking about moral victories, I guess, because I'm just a, 
I'm an optimist or I'm an idiot. I don't know. Uh, one thing I want to say about uh, Boquist real quick, that the reason that mistake happened is because he got caught between. He's like, am I aggressive here and attack yep. the puck or do I break back? And that second of hesitation guy blew right past him. And that was the end of it. Uh, another commenter says Dylan Strom looks better. Looks like himself again. Bottom line, are we paying him? That's all dependent. It all depends on what it's going to cost to pay Dylan Strom. I've said, even when he was playing horribly, I'm not giving up on Dylan Strom. I've seen way, way, way more good than bad. James, when we were doing our post-game podcasts, uh, remember that a long time ago? long um, time ago. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Strom was one of the stars of the game. It seemed like two of every three games. That was last season, but I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I'm also not ready to give him five or six million dollars. I think if it's three, maybe three and a half. I don't know. I think you can convince a team to give you something for his rights. That is why if you're pressing me for a final answer, I'm on the trade Strom bandwagon. I'm not saying that he sucks. I'm not saying the Blackhawks can use him. But if you're looking at it very clinically from the perspective of do you want to pay that guy like no, I don't really want to, but I also think they can get something for him. So if you can get a decent trade package, it would not hurt at all to look to see if you can find a taker. When have you ever felt, aside from the Brandon Manning for Drake Kajula trade, that Stan Bowman got market value for a trade? Market value for a trade for Stan Bowman. That's a really good question, man. Like, in terms of like, I have an asset and I'm moving an asset. See, it's one thing to say, because there's been a lot of times where Stan Bowman was dealing from a place where he was over a barrel and just yeah. had to salary and teams knew that. And he was going to have to give something up to get rid of it. Let's, all right. Let's just, you know what? Let's rip the bandaid off of this. I'm just going to ask you, man. I know our Temi Panarin's a heart trophy finalist, but knowing that he was going to get that payday at some point, did the Hawks do the right thing by getting Brandon sod for him? Um, I've always sort of thought so. And it's a tough pill to swallow, but the reality was they weren't going to be able to pay him. Now, they could have just kept him and yeah. see like that's what Columbus did, you know, and just say, well, let's see what we get with him here. And then, but unlike Columbus, I would have traded him at the deadline last year. Oh yeah. But, but, uh, you but know, again, jokes on everyone else. Cause Columbus is still in the playoffs. They and know so how to Brandon do Sod. stuff. Brandon Sod's still in the playoffs too. For another day, at least. <laughs> for another for about 24 more hours do, okay Sod. yeah like i don't want to start talking about that yet i feel like that's a good second segment topic do we actually think the blackhawks can win game four we're gonna leave that alone Let, okay. let's let's get back to this game were there any other positives that you wanted to talk about from this game um i mean it's cool that mata scored again to see him uh like after he scored it was like hmm <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that went in. Uh, you know, I think that, that's a. I thought it was Kubalik, and I don't know if Doc called him Kubalik, but I, for when I saw him breaking over the line, I'm like, oh, there's Kubalik, and then the shot looked like Kubalik. I'm like, holy, that's only I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I was like Kubalik, and I'm like, that's not Kubalik. What have I done? You know, maybe that's why forwards shouldn't be allowed to wear single digits. There, there's my hot take of the day. Can I give you a, a negative again? It feels like it's it's back and forth every game. Sure, um, go ahead. Alex Nylander. Again, the IQ <laughs> stuff we talk about. Just going off sides when there's oh. a run. Or, uh, you know, he like stopped center. He turned the puck over unforced on his own exit, and everybody had to turn back around. It's like just those 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 lapses from, from Alex Nylander are so frustrating. Oh, my God. So frustrating. 
But look, man, I'm not overall. Am I mad about this game? No, I'm not. Like they played well enough to win. They didn't get rewarded for their scoring chances. And it is what it is. It's just, they're just not as good as Vegas. <laughs> and when you have that and you have bad luck, that's you're, you're, you can't win. You the can't disadvantage win. of being on hot mic right now is that people who are listening to this podcast tomorrow are going to wonder why I was just laughing. I wasn't laughing at Jay. I was laughing at listener Marlo in the chat saying Nylander equals fetch. Stop trying to make fetch happen. I'm here for a mean girls reference, man. I'll, I'll take that one. It definitely feels like they're trying to make it happen. And mm-hmm. I keep asking, why is Nylander on the ice right now? Why is he? And, and look, we're, I know it's hypocritical to say develop these young players, right? And then get mad when Neilander plays in key situations, but maybe I just don't have the faith that Neilander's ever going to turn in anything. They're just there's been flashes, I'll say that. But my God. And maybe it's Eddie Olchek and, and Pat Foley's hatred for Alex Neilander that's finally seeping <laughs> in on me. And I just don't feel the same way about Doc and Boquist that I do about Alex Neilander. I just I just don't see it from him. Maybe he'll become a fine third line, you know, 15 goal, 20 goal sort of a guy. And this year he was, he was close to that, right? You know, like 12 or something this year. I forget off the top of my head, but I mean, that skill is going to put the puck in the net a few times. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a hockey brain, man has to develop. And and Marlowe, as I say that it pops up in the chat. Yes. Neander has to develop his hockey brain. The skills are there. Now the IQ has to catch up with it. So, so sad, man. I just, I want, all I want to do is talk about Kirby Doc, but then there's that part of me that's a realist that's like, you know, the season could be over after tomorrow night, man. Like it, I want to like wax poetic about Kirby Doc and how the first two periods of this game, his possession numbers were insane. And he ended up with a 59.3% Corsi tonight. And once again, Kirby Doc's just looking awesome. And what, like, what a third pick, man. And what a guy this dude could end up being like he in two or three years could be your number one center like depending on what happens with Jonathan Taves and like his coming out party has been so great and to have it run concurrently with the Blackhawks just pounding their faces into the wall repeatedly has been it's been an exercise in sadness and I'm wondering why we wish that this would happen we're really stupid that we wanted the Blackhawks in the playoffs what's wrong with us I would like to, uh, unlike you, point out all the dumb stuff I've said over the years, like our time Panarin's a one-trick pony. Hey, I said um, Martin Havlat was a better option than Mary Hosa. We've all had our I, moments. I will praise you, and you can go back and listen. The emergency podcast we did the night the Hawks got the third pick overall, the first name mentioned by James Niveau was Kirby Doc. That was the guy he identified from day one as his guy. So props to you. James Navo, distant high five, distant sky point. Thanks, man. I, yeah. I, I did really. And again, I said it like his skills should translate to the NHL very quickly. And like, it was obviously very difficult to continue to stand by that early in the year, watching him kind of slow out of the gate, but man, these, uh, the second half of the season and getting into these playoffs, it has been so awesome watching him blossom. And if there's anything that we're going to get to take away from this experience is we're all collectively sitting on a, a bench by a sparkling pond at sunset in a week or two, we'll be able to talk about Kirby doc. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I mean, that's, he's been awesome. And that's, you know, kind of the hope you get with Boquist is, 
when he fills out, right? When he gets stronger, that maybe he'll turn the corner that way too, right? Like that's, I just hope that that's coming for him. And again, like we've said, it happens sore for defensemen, but I think I want to see more, um, more flashes from Boquist than I've seen. I know part of that too is being afraid of messing up, but if you're going to get the most out of him, he's got to, he's got to play a uh, comment from here. keeps refreshing on me. Uh, someone said that we said all year that Strom was a $6 million man. That was based on what he was doing at the time, what he had been performing with the numbers he'd been putting up. That's market value for what he was doing. Uh, now that number goes down because there's a flat cap. Uh, there's a lapse in performance from him. There was an injury. So that's that's part of why that number has gone down. But if you looked at nearly point-per-game guy for the last year and a half before he got hurt, that's what those guys cost. Um, a lot of people saying he's expendable with Kirby Doc. I agree. It, it does become an option to move him, but I'm not just flat-out giving up on the guy. I'm not dumping him for a third or a fourth. I'm not doing that. I'm not letting one bad playoff and a bad second half of this year after struggling with injury, I'm not changing my mind on a guy who has shown so much in such a short time. We got to, we got to be careful to not overreact to exactly what we thought was going to happen. Everyone on this chat, everyone listening to this podcast. If I said to you, are the Hawks going to win this series? No. Are the Hawks going to win three games in this series? Probably not. Now that that's happening, we've got to remember that this is what we all expected. This is what everybody expected. This is what a series with this, difference in talent looks like so i think that we have to be careful about overreacting to a very small sample size and writing guys off because in their first playoff performances they haven't been great i think that's very dangerous and i also think that we were also not necessarily saying automatically give dylan strome six million dollars i think at least for my part i was saying what he could command correct like yeah. that I, and I and again I brought up trading him at the trade deadline too it's not like I've always been like oh you've got to keep him at all co-. no no I don't feel that way about Dylan Strom and I know we asked questions about his production and whether he could sustain it coming off of last year and I mean, I'm not going to say like we were like the naysayers and we've always known that Dylan Strome is garbage or anything like that. But I don't think we were exactly like effusive in our praise of that dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that he was our guy. Like, that's just I, not yeah. accurate. I was more than you were. And uh, I'll admit that I was more on the Dylan Strome train than you were. And Bill says in the chat here that the series was all about getting kids some experience and seeing how they reacted to being in the playoffs. And that's true. And the fact that Strom took, you know, two and a half games to get going is problematic. Or I'm sorry, a game and a half to get going is worrisome, right? And that that kind of scares me. I don't know. That's why my my thought of paying him big money is is changing. Like we're allowed to change our opinions. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like as as the as the information changes, you're allowed to change your mind. And especially with what... the emergence of Doc and with the emergence of Dominic Kubelik, I think that that's pretty clearly yeah. like the priorities are going to start swinging in a situation like that. But I mean, isn't that the point of anal- of being an analyst? Like, here's what I've seen so far. Based on what I've seen so far, this is what I think. And then as the information changes your opinion can change. Mm. Like if let's, let's throw out a hypothetical, right? Let's say there was a politician 
that everyone thought had these great new ideas. And then he won. And then during the, this is hypothetical, of course, then during the time, some horrible things happened under his watch. And you'd say, you know what? I was wrong about that guy and I'm not going to vote for him again. Hypothetically speaking, of course, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to say, okay, maybe I don't want to pay Dylan Strom six. Maybe I want to pay him three or three and a half. Okay. Mm. I think I'm, I think it's cool. I think I'm allowed to do that without being some sort of and, a and I also do think the money is being impacted by COVID in a way that we obviously would not have been able to forecast before. Of course. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Colleton really liked the team start tonight, by the way. He said, I really liked our start. We were really good the first period. The only thing missing was execution. That seems like a really big damn thing to be missing, Jeremy. And I he feel like I've heard that from him a lot in this series. I think execution's the wrong word. I think he means like converting because that first period was good. They played well in the first. I, you know, I think that was their best period of the, of the series period. Second period sucked, but the first period was good. And they, again, they just didn't convert on their chances. Like DeBrinket had chance after chance after chance in the first period. And none of them went in. If one of those goes in it's a tie game, right? Like it's, it's, just, they just did not convert. And that's that's the difference. And Corey Crawford, who we haven't talked about nearly enough, was excellent. Excellent keeping them in the game. Yeah. Uh, great bounce back for him after that tough uh, game, too, in which he was pretty bad. Okay. And I'm, I'm once again, I have to bring it up again since you brought up Corey Crawford. I still think that I'm not a huge fan of the way he approached that first goal, man. I know that Carlson had a really good backhanded shot. Like that is a tough shot to stop. But I also. I just think he overslid slightly and guarded that near post a little bit too much. That's all I'm saying. Not, I'm not going to call it a soft goal. I'm not an idiot, but I'm also not going to completely absolve his positioning either. I wasn't a huge fan of it. That's fair. I think it's a it's two on one against uh, good shooter shooting against you. Uh, backhanders are famously the toughest for goaltenders to read, especially on the blocker side like that. You are right. Right. I never have a huge problem with it, but. Would I have preferred he stop it? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm sure he would have preferred that he had stopped it too. <laughs> all right, we're a half hour in. Uh, let's talk about our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090, or send him an email, chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. And, of course, our friends at Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Go get some of the best damn hot chicken you'll ever eat in your entire life. I was uh, thinking about going there today. And just, you know, I couldn't make it happen, but I'm going this week. I'm going to fry the coop. I got to get the uh, the chicken and waffles. I talked about it with the bacon cooked into the waffles. I have to try that. It's been on my mind because I'm a fat guy. It's my second job is being fat. Um, I got to try that. So Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, uh, Well Street Market coming soon to Tinley Park and an area close to you. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at fry the coop uh here's a question that we're gonna have all summer to get to actually probably not because teams are gonna have to ramp up to get the season started on time next year Corey crawford unrestricted free agent we've seen two different goalies in this series we've seen really really good Corey crawford and then we've seen not so great Corey crawford not a lot of great options on the ufa market i don't think robin leonard's coming here I don't think they wanted to. Uh, I don't really know what the better option is at this point. I don't know. This is another huge topic we're going to get to this summer, but what the hell are they going to do in goal? 
Well, I mean, I think if we knew the answer to that, our names would probably be uh, Stan Bowman, I'm guessing. Uh, We've been going back and forth on this the entire season, and I just, the way that this this thing is trending, it feels like if they can get Corey Crawford on a cheap one-year deal to do a timeshare arrangement with a guy like Colin Delia, that might be the direction that they go. Like that's that's my guess, man. That, that that that's the best I can do. What do you got? That's really rough. That's I mean, I don't know. Can you sign like a really old guy to a one year deal, like the Marty Turco sort of a thing? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just find a guy on his last year who needs a million bucks before he calls it a career, just to sort of bridge that gap. Because maybe Kevin Lankin gets ready by then. Oh, that's it. We have to. We have to. We have a person to add to our list of people that we have to fight, and it's Jake Golden in the chat who said, "Sign Scott Foster." That's it. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Bye. God, Scott Foster. Duncan Keith said in that spitting spit chicklets podcast, "We's like we had a accountant as our goalie. That's how bad things were." He was probably like, he probably thought it was cool. And then like watched the reaction to it. Like we all did and just went, man, this guy's getting the David Ross treatment without, you know, the 15 year uh, career. I don't know. All right. Let's take a time out, James uh, regroup a little bit. We'll come back and we will wrap this one up. Thanks for joining us on hot mic. If you're not listening on hot mic, make sure you download that hot mic app, enter that promo code madhouse. When you sign up, you'll be notified when we go live. So even if you can't join us on Hot Mike every time, downloading the app and ent- entering that promo code helps us out. So even if you never intend to watch a Hot Mike broadcast, still download the, app, download the app, still enter that code as it helps James and I out very, very much when you do that. Uh, if you're listening uh, traditionally on the Madhouse Pod, thank you. If you're with us on Hot Mike, hit up that tip jar. Someone left us a $20 tip anonymously. Thank you very much for that. I think it was Nate also who threw a tip in there as well. So we appreciate that. If you're on the Madhouse Pod, we're on Venmo at Jay Zawoski. Thanks to everyone who chipped in there as well. Going to take a quick timeout, and we'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here, James Naveau there. As we're doing this broadcast on Hot Mike, we're going to have an interactive Dr. Squatch read, okay? Dr. Squatch is our newest sponsor. They are the natural, handmade, in the USA, soap and hair care company. And right here in my hands, I've got the cold brew cleanse. Look at that. You can see the exfoliants in there. Smells of chocolate and coffee. One of my favorites. My absolute favorite, though, the cool, fresh aloe. The green does not show up as well on my webcam, but that is a bright, like, neon green on there. 
That is the best smell Dr. Squatch has. It is the one of the best smelling things I've ever smelled in my life. Sometimes I think about it when I'm not around it. Honest to God. Head to DrSquatch.com. Take that Squatch quiz on the top right corner. When you're ready to check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE. You'll save 20% in your order and help the podcast at the same time. So again, DrSquatch.com. Use that promo code MADHOUSE. I recommend the cold brew cleanse, the cool fresh aloe. Get yourself a soap saver. And they've got some limited edition scents out there with uh, the Mars Bar and the Area 51 Brick. Those are limited time, so jump on those while you can. But the hair care kit, the cologne, everything Dr. Squatch has is incredible. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. James, I know during the break you were sort of uh, saving some questions, so why don't we knock out a few listener questions here um, while we before we wrap things up. I did want to throw out there, I know we're not doing the Dr. Squatch read anymore, but I finally got my fresh bundle in the mail oh. yesterday. And the spearmint basil scrub soap that I used, holy crap, so awesome, smelled awesome, loved it, loved it, loved it. So I can I can there, emphasize the J is exactly right. There was a comment in here. Um, Dr. Squatch is so good. This is from Nate. So good. My wife used it after her body wash ran out. Now we're expecting. <laughs> there you go. So that's either oh, a, a man. or a warning. Whatever, <laughs> so whatever your family's in that's the mood. That's really for, funny. Yeah, but it's true. Like, whenever I have it, like, hope will bury your head in my collarbone and just go, you smell so good. It's mm. true. That stuff smells awesome. So, James, I'm glad you finally got yours. And uh, anyway, DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. Make yourself happy. Make your wife happy. Yes. All right. Hit me with some of these questions, my friend. All right. First question that we got, and I, I've been thinking this, obviously. I'm sure every Blackhawks fan has from a uh, listener, Marlo, in the chat. I still feel like a different, better coach would do better with this roster. Jay Zawoski, do you agree with this? Yes. I think Jeremy Cowden is at best a replacement level coach. He's not going to win you anything. He might lose you some things. I'm not saying like just add old washed up old guy again. I like the idea that Cowden was young and an up and comer, but he wasn't ready and he wasn't ready to take on this team. If Keith and Taves and Seabrook and Kane are gone, or maybe just Keith and, and Seabrook are gone, maybe it's different, but he just, it was too big of a task for him to take on. We predicted as much the day the hire was made, not predicted, but worried about that. Like these are huge shoes to fill with a team full of what, four or five Hall of Famers at the time. Like you've got to, it was tough. And I don't think he's done a good enough job to justify keeping his job. As long as there's better options out there and his JTM in the chat says Gerard Gallant's available. I keep saying that, like I've said that ever since Vegas decided to let him go. I wouldn't mind giving him a whirl here. You know who they should hire? Who's that? Jim Boylan. You know who they should really hire? They should bring in uh, Peter Chiarelli. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you ass. (laughs) I just love saying that because of how angry you get. You're going to speak it into existence. (laughs) Then what? Hey, I tried speaking into existence that Edmonton would get the number one pick if the Blackhawks beat them, and it didn't work. So clearly, I'm I'm not any good anymore. So I I did want to bring up a completely legitimate and awesome question that we got from listener Nate. The Penguins have a decision to make this offseason because both Matt Murray and Tristan Jerry are both going to be restricted free agents, probably going to have to let one of them go. Is that a guy that you would maybe want the Blackhawks to consider going after, even if it meant maybe trading a uh, pretty good prospect to be able to get his RFA rights? 
I mean, Matt Murray is proven. I don't know what to make of Jari yet. You know, I just, it's, it's, I don't know if the sample size is big enough for him. I'm looking up his stats for this year now. Uh, let's see, 31, 20, and 12, 2.43 goals against 0.921 save percentage. That's really good. And three shutouts. Um, in his career, 2.61 goals against 914 save percentage, five shutouts. He's solid, 25 years old. If you if you want to peg one of those two guys as your future goalie, I mean, you could sure do worse. Matt Murray is 26 years old um, and very similar numbers. Had a down year, really bad year this year, though. 2.87 goals against and a sub-90 save percentage. Just sub, but sub. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And maybe that's something you could do with one of your restricted free agent assets like Dylan Strom, if you want to move him. And I don't think you could do Strom for one of those guys straight up. I don't think so either. If you want to sweeten the package, I'm down for that. Maybe the Penguins on only Mata back. (laughs) Instead of a buyout. That's a brilliant idea. I can't wait for this to come to fruition. Okay. uh, John, actually, he had on something that I kind of wanted to maybe bring up very briefly. Another positive from tonight. I thought the penalty kill was good. Thoughts? The answer yeah. to that question is absolutely correct. Is like they, they've been so good. Yeah, they, they killed 12 penalties in a row. Ever since that first game against Edmonton, I think they've given up two power play goals the last six games. I don't know the exact numbers on the number of kills that they've had, but that group, dude, like whether it's Ryan Carpenter or David Camp or Jonathan Taves or Brandon Saad, whatever forward combination is on the ice for this penalty kill has really been working and you're really seeing why they were a top 10 power penalty kill unit in the NHL this season. I loved when the Blackhawks had a good penalty kill when they were tops in the league and guys like Marcus Kruger were just running rough shot over the NHL and seeing that happen again, it makes my Blackhawks fan heart really uh, feeling good. Yeah. And conversely here in the chat, uh, somebody asked about the power play. Uh, it's not been good because it's not converting, but at least it's getting chances. I mean, you're seeing them get some shots on goal. You're seeing them get some traffic in front, which is what we bitched about when the power play was just standing motionless, not generating anything. It was like, dude, simplify it, shoot it, get somebody in there, and th- good things are going to happen. I've been much happier with the power play. I'm not happy with it, but happier <laughs> than I was. It's now maybe average. I don't know. I just thought they kind of slowed down as the game went on. And like I was saying earlier, maybe that's just like a fatigue thing from playing so many, I don't know, so many minutes early in the game. I honestly don't know. But I thought as the game went on, the power play got less and less effective for the Blackhawks. I like the second unit better. They need more time. Like, I don't get why Jeremy Colleton will not give that second unit any time. He needs to give it a shot. Let something happen, for God's sake. Well, like, think of some of the guys that have had success on the power play and their style. Like, Andrew Shaw was a guy who was a difference maker on the power play. He's not going to dangle through people and and snipe a roof shot like Connor McDavid. He's just getting in there and getting dirty and, and doing what it takes to score goals. That's yeah. how power. That's how playoff goal. That's how playoff power play goals are scored. But it's power. It's playoff goals in, or power play goals in general. Yeah. Very rarely is it the cross ice one timer Artemi Panarin special. That's not typically how goals are scored. And if, I feel like the Hawks are constantly and this is not something new, but it's they're constantly searching for that one perfect shot. I feel like it's been a little more 
deliberately getting the puck on net lately. And I don't know if that's Jeremy Cowan adjustment or if the players are just realizing like, hey, maybe if we uh, if the puck went that way, better we might get better results. Oh, yeah, we should try that. I don't know. But it seems like that adjustment's been made, and at least it's getting looks. At least it's getting chances. But still, some of the fumbles at the blue line, some of the passes to no one, yeah, those are still there, and those are still frustrating. I think the zone entries are a huge issue with the power play, too, because, frankly, those have been an issue at even strength, too. Like, they right. just cannot seem to break the blue line with any consistency. And Obviously, a chunk of the credit does have to be given to Las Vegas for how well they have defended that. But it is so frustrating just watching them over and over again just try to carry the puck into the zone. And it's just it's not working. You've got to vary your looks up a little bit. And it just really seems like the Hawks have been completely unable to do that, especially on the man advantage. And once they're so I guess what we're saying here, at least what I'm saying is once they're in the zone and set up, it's been OK the last little bit. But it it's so often they waste. And Doc Emmerich said it like there's 40 seconds killed by Vegas. Yeah, because. First like went around and they're doing the slingshot entry. And here's how you stop the slingshot entry. Line up at the blue line and put your stick out there. And how many times have we seen that? Yeah, Kane gets through every now and again, or they dump it in and go win the race. But the entries have been a problem since they started showing home games on TV, man. It's, it's always <laughs> been a problem. And I don't know if it's an issue of a lot of skill guys just kind of wanting to do it all themselves. But I don't know. It's very, very frustrating. Uh, Drupal says Taves needs to take some heat for this round. This was his first bad game. I think Jonathan Taves has been uh, among the best. I think Kirby Doc has probably been the best. But Taves has been really, really good this series and had an awful game tonight. Yeah, and obviously, like I brought it up on Twitter during the game that in the first two periods, I know it was only six minutes at even strength, but Taves had... His line had zero attempts and eight against in the first two periods of the game. And then it's not like the third period got any better. His line was on the ice for two shot attempts and five more against. So it was a really rough night at the office for Jonathan Tabes. And also this is, this does, excuse me, give us another opportunity to point out Vegas really had a good night in the faceoff circle too. Jonathan Tabes won 43% of his draws tonight. Do you know who won more draws than Taves or percentage of draws than Taves did? Dylan Flippin Strom. Oh. Dylan nice. Strom. Uh, Kirby Doc was two of eight. So not not a good night for him either. Like Vegas just, they dominated the faceoff circle and got to give them a ton of credit, especially uh, uh, Wah was awesome. And then Patrick Brown also won a huge chunk of his face off. So that was a huge obstacle and a huge thing that really uh, kind of went against the Blackhawks in this one. All right. Any more questions you got to get to that you saved? Uh, no, the last one I did have was uh, Ken Bockelman just saying very simply about Kirby doc. I was against using the three pick on doc, but he continues to prove me wrong. He is a beast out there. You know what? Ken Bockelman Kirby doc is a beast. Kirby Dockelman. So mm. we're going to call him. I like All it. Right. Any changes you're making for game four? At this point, like, what's what's the point of swapping out Alex Nylander for anybody? I feel like if that if that was going to happen, I feel like it would have happened already. So I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see any defensive changes for game four. I don't think you're going to see, like, Nick Sealer or Lucas Carlson brought in or anything like that. Obviously, don't think Malcolm Subban's getting brought in in place of Corey Crawford. So... 
maybe some line changes. Maybe you try somebody else with Kane and Taves on the top line. Maybe you try to find a 12th forward. You can actually give more than like a shift to in the first period of the game. But I just, I think it's basically going to be balls to the wall. They're going to be trying to do anything they can to avoid elimination. And if I think that's probably just going to involve the line blender and a lot of praying, that's basically what it's going to be. That line blender was on puree today, and it's going to be worse in the next game. Yeah, I mean, you had set lines in the first, like for the first ten minutes of the first period, but from there it was like whatever. Like I wrote, it's, every time the game starts, I write down on a notepad, like here are the lines, here are the pairings, whatever. And today I'm like, well, these are useless. <laughs> like, this is how it started, but it's <laughs> certainly not how it ended. Um, yeah. So anyway, Hawks down three nothing. First, before we wrap things up, I want to tell you about our friends at Mariska's and Crest Hill. 604 Theater Street. They're family owned and operated since 1933. World famous for their poor boys, and they should be because it's the best damn poor boy you'll ever have. Go visit Joe Zadralovich and his family out there in Crest Hill. Again, 604 Theater Street. Check out marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. I saw someone ask in the chat, where do you tip? It should be right there on your app. If not, you can send a Venmo to at Jay and I split that money with James. And we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash MadhousePod. Had a new Patreon donor this week, a $20 monthly donor. So with that, he gets this fancy, smancy Madhouse Podcast sticker. And I'm throwing in, a, uh, not throwing in, this comes with it, t-shirt. <laughs> I show the t-shirt here to the hot mic people. I actually wore that t-shirt in game th- after game three, or uh, two. I should have... Uh... I like was going to try to show it off, but they just never came up because we were yelling too much. So if you become a $20 Patreon donor, uh, you get a t-shirt and a sticker. We've got some other, uh, we got stickers and stuff to send out. So anyone who jumps on the Patreon and does it monthly, we'll, we'll reward you for that. But uh, thanks everybody for jumping on. Thanks for tuning in tomorrow night. Game four puck drops at five 30. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so five 30, we'll be here after the game. Hopefully, hopefully, continuing the series a little bit hopefully they get a win maybe two i just don't want hockey to end again i know it's not ending but i want blackhawks hockey to end again can we do like hot mic broadcasts of random nhl playoff games would that be something that our listeners would like tune into people want to watch that i'm totally down for that like we could pick a game a week you know whatever i i would totally be up for that i say we put a twitter poll up and then if they vote to actually do it we should have like a poll and actually it will let them choose which game we do. I love that idea. So we'll do that. That's a promise. At least once a week, if the Hawks are eliminated, we'll come and do some in-game live hot mics. We'll watch the game together and just shoot the crap. Uh, it won't be a podcast, but it'll just be a fun little thing. Nate asking for an NHL 20 listener league. Every time I put together a listener league in any video game, it fails after the first week. So if, so if listeners want to organize and do that, get on it but I ain't doing it anymore because it never works. And then I feel guilty. Like I failed. (laughs) Sorry. It's my mental. It's my uh, mental issues that I, I just can't have that burden hanging over me. Uh, Freaking bill brought up Chris Campoli. I'm out of here, man. Why? (laughs) For what reason? That's awful. (laughs) Why would someone do that to us? I think you got madder about that than me bringing up Peter Chiarelli. It's just like I'm used to Peter Chiarelli. That that name has been on my mind. There hasn't been any direct damage done to the Blackhawks from Peter Chiarelli yet. Anything he's helped, but Chris Campoli. Ooh, what a jerk. (laughs) 
That's horrible. That's horrible. On that note. On that note, we're ending the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, who joined us on Hot Mike. If you want to get in on Sunday night, Hot Mike is the app. Download it. It's free. When you sign up, it's going to ask you for a code. Enter promo code MADHOUSE, and we will be there. Even if you can't join, do that anyway, and every time we go live, you'll get notified. Another little note, for those of you that listen to me on the I'm Fat podcast, we'll be doing a Hot Mike Live podcast Monday around 1230, a live I'm Fat podcast, so check that out too. So join us there. Join us here. We're all over the place. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm, grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm, ba 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 I participate in McDonald's.